These multi-day races, I'm so lucky that I have Mike so that we can do it together. And I see so many people fail at that distance. The reason why I think I am successful is because of Christine. She knows how to strategize her energy. That was couple of the quarter, Christine Self and Mike Mueller. And this is episode 71 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Do we ever have a dynamic power couple to share with you today? Both officers in the Canadian Armed Forces currently posted to Latvia, Christine Self and Mike Mueller met in the late 1990s in Barrie, Ontario, where they instantly bonded over their shared love of running. While these two have very impressive road running resumes, we spent a good chunk of this conversation talking about their adventures in the trails, including numerous multi-day races they've taken part in all over the world. This chapter of their running lives began in 2016 when Mike, quote, forced Christine into attending a women's only trail running festival for, get this, his birthday. It was there that Christine realized just how much she loves the trails and longer distances and has never looked back since. In this episode, Mike and Christine shared some crazy stories about their five and six day, 250 kilometer treks across Madagascar and Cambodia that involved snakes, crocodiles, and heat exhaustion, plus some incredible teamwork to pull each other through various low points in that race. One little side note, if you're tempted by these multi-day ultra marathons, you may want to read the fine print about landmines and corpse preparation fees. Mike and Christine are both members of the Canadian Armed Forces International Running Team, CISM, and just in case you didn't think their lives were busy enough, Mike manages that team and Christine is their peak performance coach. And now onto our conversation with couple of the quarter, Mike Mueller and Christine Self. Well, Christine and Mike, it is such a treat to have you all the way from Latvia. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Inspired Souls. Great to be here. Thank you. And thank you for having us. Oh, yes. Well, the four of us just have so, so much in common from our connection to the military, to running both trails and roads, to our shared love of travel and healthy eating. And the other thing is we know a lot of the same people that it almost feels like I know you but I actually don't know you. So how about we start with just a little warm-up, a little dynamic warm-up where the two of you introduce yourselves. Who are you? What do you do? And how in the world did you end up in Latvia? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, so I'm Christine Self. I'm 50-ish years old. Uh, I've been married for 21 years to Mike. Uh, we have no kids, no pets right now. Uh, I'm a retired chiropractor. I owned my own practice for 10 years in Nova Scotia, sold it and took a year off. In 2007, I joined the Canadian Armed Forces as a healthcare admin officer. Uh, and for the last probably five or six years, I've been a member of the uh, Canadian military running team for the marathon distance. And as well, I'm their peak performance coach. And currently we're posted to Latvia for three years and I'm working still for the, for the Canadian Armed Forces as the program and policy manager for the ill and injured. 
Amazing. And how far into the three-year adventure are you? A year and a half. Yeah, halfway already. Were you in Ottawa before Latvia? That's correct. Okay. Amazing. Well, we're going to get into all of this. I need to know like all of the the exploring that you've done uh, around Latvia. But let's hear from you, Mike. Who are you and uh, what do you do and um, how are you enjoying Latvia? My name is Mike Mueller. I'm a 47 and a half year old uh, runner. I'm a construction engineering officer in the, in the forces. And I'm also the Canadian Forces SISM running team manager. And I've been doing that for, ooh, I think around eight years now that I've been part of the team. We, yeah, we are currently posted to Lafayette, and I am the engineer at a unit called the NATO Force Integration Unit. And our, our main task is to facilitate uh, rapid movement of NATO forces into the Baltics. That's the main objective of, of the NFIU. Interesting. Are you guys enjoying Latvia? Oh, yes. yes. We absolutely love it. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. We knew nothing about it before coming here, but it's absolutely amazing. People are very friendly. The running is really good. The restaurants are amazing. And I mean, with COVID right now, it's, it's challenging. But, you know, being in Europe, we're allowed to travel wherever we want, really. Yeah. And Mike, you mentioned that you're the manager of the running team. Is that right? That's correct. So can you tell us a little bit more? Like, what does that, what does that even mean? Uh, I wish you, I could say I make dreams possible for <laughs> Canadian Forces runners. That is my objective with everything I do for, for, as part of the, the team. What I am responsible for is the overall organization of the team, selecting the team, fitting them out with clothes organizing travel, taking the team to whatever country uh, is hosting an event, making sure they get to the event and uh, participate in the event with everything that's part of that. There's a lot of ceremony and um, you can have up to over 110 countries will will compete at one race. So there's a lot of moving pieces and then to get them all home and back to their units, wherever that is globally. It's It's a dynamic job, but it's fun, but we've had some challenges with COVID because of lots of cancellations and whatnot. So you do all the work only to have to tell the team the bad news that we can't go or uh, it's not supported. And that's the, the I guess, the part that uh, I don't like doing. So I'm, I've done quite a bit to try to alleviate that with all the, vir- like I created a virtual racing series for the calf runners and that's been gaining momentum. And it was a, it was a huge success last year. So when there was a slowdown with sports, the, the running team was having personal bests and people like having breakthrough uh, in, in their training and racing. So it was fun. Yeah. Isn't your slogan in the military, improvise, adapt and overcome? I feel like that's what COVID has like <laughs> caused us all to do in every single area of our life. And it sounds like you absolutely nailed it <laughs> with the running team mm-hmm. of, of just kind of, okay, well, what else can we do? Let's do this virtual race series. And, and just for full disclosure, my husband and his sister uh, are both on the running team for the Canadian Armed Forces. So I've been, I've had sort of a up close and personal uh, <laughs> view of, of kind of some of the ways that you've adapted. And it seems like it's been a success on all levels. So way to go. Thank you. Thank you. So you both gave us a great synopsis of your, your personal journeys uh, over the last several years, but I'm really curious as to how you actually met. How and when did, did you guys connect? 
Oh boy, that was a long time ago in 1996, actually. And I had just graduated from chiropractic school and moved to Barrie, Ontario. And Mike was finishing his college degree there. And I moved into a, a house that was the owners owned two houses, one in front of the other. And like the top and the bottom were each separated uh, with different families. So Mike and a bunch of his friends lived in the front house at the bottom and I lived in the back house at the top. And Mike and his friends were around my age, a couple years younger. And so the landlord said to me, you know, you should go introduce yourself. Maybe you can, you know, hang out or whatever. So anyway, long story short, Mike and I sort of became friends instantly because we both ran. We both liked running. And he had done triathlons and I can't remember if he had already done a marathon or not Mike but I thought that was so cool like I the thought of knowing somebody that had done a triathlon wow that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) so I went and one day I just introduced myself to the group of them and and that's sort of how we started hanging out so it's an instant connection there was an instant connection yeah exactly All right. Well, Mike, when you sent us your bio, you mentioned that you grew up in a pretty small town in Ontario and you didn't actually venture outside of Ontario until you met Christine. So would you say she's like, she's the adventure person in your couple and she sort of dragged you around the world, like showing you these things and now you're on board or like talk to us about how that kind of played into it. I would say I'm still learning. I'm still getting coached. to uh, push beyond what I think is possible. Uh, I definitely, growing up in a small town, it was a big deal to go to North Bay uh, from where I grew up in Restool, which is uh, a population I had to look 200. that up on a map, by the way. Yeah, it's a, very, <laughs> it's a very nice place, but it's very, very small. So it took me a while and I did my, my college, I took my college in Barrie, Ontario, and that was really far. That was considered for me. That was right. I, I took the great coach home. It's like two hours, or however. yeah, I took the bus home like a lot just to go home and see mom again. Oh wow! And then uh, when I met Christine, then all of a sudden it was she had been places. She had been right. all these things. And so when I said, "Oh, I'd, I've always wanted to go to Australia," well, you don't tell Christine that. And <laughs> it, 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 the next thing you know, it's there's a plan in place, and we're going to Australia. You have to be careful what you wish for. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. So now it's, it's been a relentless adventure because uh, wherever we sort of think about that would be fun to go. All of a sudden uh, we'll, I booked the plane. Uh, we're ready to go. I've already scheduled it. And, and, and so it's just, yeah, but it definitely took me a while to, to learn that. And I remember when we were in Australia for a year, uh, I was the one getting homesick. And then we came home and then I was looking at Christine and like, what was I thinking? Like home is always going to be there. We, yeah. we could have kept going. So yeah, yeah. We had the opportunity to stay longer in Australia, but Mike really, really wanted to come home and I really, really wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. And so we came home and then once we got home, it was sort of the reverse. I was kind of happy to be back in Canada and not ready to go back to Australia again. But Mike was, as he said, he was 
oh, we should have stayed. (laughs) But you did keep going. And I understand you have now traveled and raced and explored over 40 countries, correct? Mm, At least. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like to try to find a new, it's not that I don't like going to countries twice. It's just the world is such a big place. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see every country in the world. And with a little nudging, Mike is, is, he follows along. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely fear-driven. And Christine, she gets so excited. We'll go to different weird and wonderful races and we'll meet people that we've never uh, met before from other countries. And every time, Christine is so excited and wants to like, I want to come visit. Let's go. That's where I'm going to yeah. go. And But some of the races and the places we go, I'm afraid the whole time we're going to get sick or eaten <laughs> yeah. or... or <laughs> just <laughs> totally fear driven. There's the team manager coming out in you, just looking after everyone, looking out for what could possibly go wrong. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um now, Mike, you you also put in your bio here that you were never any good at running when you were younger, but that all your friends, like your neighbors, were like quite a long run away, right? Like you lived out mm-hmm. in a small town or whatever. So so you did the running, but you said you'd finally did a triathlon at the end of high school and started to believe that you could improve. And I thought that that was so interesting and wondered if you could tell us just a little bit more about that experience. Uh, yeah, I always, I loved running and I loved triathlon. I would watch it on TV and get very excited, but having that excitement and actually putting it to, to the test to test yourself, I had no idea how to pace myself. So I would just blast out, blow up, and then I would take it in as that I'm a, I'm just not good at it, that I that I'm I shouldn't be doing this. And uh, just tackling the triathlon for the first time, it was an Olympic distance, uh, and finishing it, I I saw that there was little places where I could improve. And it helps that there's a swim and a bike before the run, <laughs> because if it was just the run, I probably would have just gone out too fast and completely right. destroyed myself. Uh, but I was. I had a great experience. I think that's what it Mm -hmm. comes down to is great experiences and linking more great experiences along the way. Yeah. Uh, And just learning how to slow down and, and just being a student, it sounds very basic, but I was just not in the right frame when I was younger for that. There was a process to things. And Christine is definitely process driven. Like she, she does not like surprises. So she will prepare and that is something that now that we've gone into like multi-day ultra is that I think I would have doomed myself. And I see so many people like fail at that distance. And the reason why I think I am successful now is because of Christine. She knows how to strategize her, her energy. And mm. uh, we always have our, our highs and lows. But the thing is, if I went out mic pace, I would only last a day or two. There's no way would I go five days or six days uh, in and 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 finish. Yeah. So that's also how I got personal best in the marathon. It was Christine's infused logic of better training, slow down, 
that type of thing. So, yeah, I love the phrase you just use strategize your energy. Mm. We, you know, we often say, you know, pace or ration your energy or whatever, but strategize your energy is different. It's like there's times you push, there's times you don't, <laughs> especially yeah. over a week's period of time. Yeah. So, and then the recovery and little bits between, we're going to get into some of the multi-day um, discussions here in a bit, but um, given that we are, this is the couple of the quarter episode, um, I definitely want to just take a step back for a minute and ask you both, like right from the very beginning, before you even met, how did each of you get into running in the first place? Was it a childhood love? Was it something you discovered in university? Let's start with Christine. Uh, okay, so I, in high school, I rode. I was on an eight-man crew, and we had to run for part of our training. But I think we only ran up to 5K. And when I started university, I actually thought, okay, well, there's no way I'm going to make the rowing team. So I'm going to start running a little bit more because it's something easy that you can do on your own. And I liked it. I enjoyed running. So I started doing a couple like 5K, 10K, but I joined the cross country team in my first year. And oh my gosh, it was so hard. They ran for like three hours every day up and down these big, huge hills. And oh man, I hated it. I lasted like two weeks. <laughs> And I hated it. I'm running on the road and I'm running straight and I'm running flat. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I ran on the road and I, I think I only did 5Ks and 10Ks, mostly 10Ks really. And when I met Mike, he had done longer distances in this triathlon. And so I started training and thought, okay, well, I could do a half marathon and that, well, I could do a, a marathon. And so it just sort of one thing sort of led to the other. And I did the marathon. I think we did Toronto Marathon. Toronto. Yeah. So then Mike kept talking about Ironman and it was driving me crazy because he just, he kept talking about it, like talk, 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 talk. And finally, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sign us up. So I signed us up for Ironman Canada. <laughs> or I can't remember if we did Canada or USA first. I don't remember, but. I signed us up for one of them anyways. And I'm like, there, now you have to do it. And so then you have, you know, you have to run a lot for that. So I think then just the running, it just became such a part of our life because with an Ironman, you're either running or swimming or biking mm -hmm. and the biking is, you know, it's pretty straightforward, but the running, it's a lot of running at the end of doing all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and then I just, I, I liked the running part. So we, we, I did quite a few marathons and then it just sort of progressed from there. How about you, Mike? Yeah, well, we had talked about uh, where I grew up and that I would mm -hmm. run to my friend's houses that I found out later were either 10 or 12 kilometers from my house. And I was just going over to play video games and then run home for dinner and so I, I started putting easy mileage in, I would say, at a pretty young age. But I literally sucked at high school in terms of trying out for the cross-country team. I was under 100 pounds wet until grade 12. So I literally was like this little tiny kid with a big, big engine, but no power, no endurance, nothing. And so following a co-op program, uh, I was working construction uh, out of high school. And when I was in grade 12 and 
I was going to be going off to college, but that summer I started uh, my first triathlon, which got me sort of hooked. And I started learning about managing your energy and, and uh, try, what can I do? And I was hooked that I was convinced myself that I, I, was a, I can run. That was my thing. Out of all the sports, it doesn't matter. I would never train for the swim. And I, I did it like an hour and I think an hour and five minutes in the Ironman swim with no swimming just just wow. get in and, and, and bash it out because I just I'm not a swimmer I'm not a swimmer but I just because I, I prioritize the bike and the, and the run yeah but after a while after doing I think Ironman Canada I was convinced that if I focus on the marathon then I can come back to the Ironman and I can go to Hawaii that was my big goal to Hawaii, Hawaii Ironman and I started doing lots of marathons lots of training and I never went back to the uh, Ironman at all. Uh, running has just been been what I've I've been doing. So I I did a lot of running races. But then when I joined the military, I found out that they had this program. They had a nationals championships, and I wanted I wanted to see what that was like. And and then after that, I found out that there was this elite international team that uh, existed, and I I really really wanted to know what it what does it take to get on that team. And so I just, uh, eventually I, with my racing and running the national championships and winning uh, over a few years, I was selected to do the, the international program. And then I, I uh, went to Korea for the world military games uh, to run the marathon. And after that, like there was nothing that I wouldn't do in terms of training to have that experience again everything was worth it. Like all the mm. early morning wake-ups and long runs. and Well, you're being very modest here too, because I, I know that you did get yourself down to a personal best in the marathon of 246. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So yes. that's amazing. Like, obviously you had to put in a ton of time and, and dedication and work really hard <laughs> in order to get yourself down to that speedy time. So tell us a little bit about how your marathon time came down. I did 13 marathons around 310 and I was convinced I could I could do under 3 hours. I was convinced, but I had again no pacing logic at all. Uh, I would do the training and then I'd show up race day and then on the line I would make some new random race strategy. <laughs> and <laughs> which you shouldn't do. You really should have like a some sort of concrete plan that you can do, but I think I had my first sub three marathon when I did the tree herney marathon. Oh, right around us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. In yeah. Manitoba. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was a beautiful run. Like there's just, and it's no a hard course. It yeah. is. It's really up and down. Christine was like expecting to see me roll into the finish line, looking like a complete wreck. And I came in, I look like Alana. Waving, <laughs> hey, hi, hi like, everyone. Yeah, it was just that. That's the when you people really run their best. I think yeah. is when you're just free and yes. you're not caught up into that. And but I, I, it's been a long time since I've had that type of race again. So I'm yeah. uh, I'm forever trying to get that personal best each year. So Amazing. I've got a marathon to try again in in Zurich in oh. seven weeks now. And Christine, you talked a little bit about your, like you did the shorter distances, 10 Ks 
were your favorite, but let me quote you here. Oh, no, not, not my favorite. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you did them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very important nuance. <laughs> Yes, it yes. is. Because I didn't think I could do more than that. That's that's the only reason. Yeah. Right. And then it was when I met Mike that I thought, I don't know, I guess we just sort of pushed each other. And I thought, well, maybe I can do a half marathon. And yeah. then when I did a half, I thought, well, maybe I can do a full. And then, of course, when you've done one, then you want to you wanted do Boston. And right. <laughs> so I do have plans. I like like I like to have a plan. And so <laughs> I really wanted to qualify for Boston. So uh, we were in Halifax. So I picked a race and I went and did the race and I qualified for Boston. So then I ran Boston. Mike did too. Like we both qualified that same year. Mm -hmm. And so then we went and did Boston the next year. But it was 2004, the first one that we did. Mm -hmm. And it was like the heat wave, over 100 degree. It was just awful. And so we both had said, we have to do that race again. So we qualified for Boston and we went back in 2012 and oh, it was, was the exact, <laughs> exact yeah. same yeah. weather. Oh exactly. And that year I was like on track for my PB and I wanted to do sub 3:30, and, but it was so hot. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so we're like, okay, that's okay. We'll go and we'll do, we found another marathon in the States, California International Marathon, and it's got a net down downhill. Perfect. We're well-trained. You know, this is the year. So we signed up and we were about to go down and weather was looking great. And we flew down on Thursday and all of a sudden this freak storm came in. Typhoon. (laughs) It was ridiculous. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So anyway... Oddly, I did have a PB because I wanted to get the stupid race over with because it was so awful. Yeah, Yeah, and CIM is in December, isn't it? Like it was. Yeah, it was the first weekend in December. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like the marathon sort of cursed you a little bit or you had this dark cloud following you around whenever you tried to. It was. But you got yourself to a 329. That's amazing. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. I always just wonder, you know, if the day would have been perfect, what would have happened? But you can't really do that. I know. And that's so yeah. such a part of it with the marathon especially, right? Is that you train so oh, hard is. and then yeah. so much of whether you're going to have a good day or not is completely out of your control and so many things have to line up yeah. for you to knock it out of the park Absolutely. and it's I, like people get tired of that, especially if they've had a series of unfortunate <laughs> uh, weather mishaps or whatever. And so what I wanted to sort of transition into is that in 2016, and I'm going to quote you here from your bio, you started running trails in 2016 after being forced by Mike to attend a women's trail running festival where you ultimately got hooked and haven't looked back. So I'd love to hear, did that frustration with chasing the marathon PB, do you think that factored into your crossing over into the trails? And it also makes me ask a follow-on question to that because I remember how much in your intro you said you didn't enjoy cross country and now here you are on trails. So talk to us kind of about that evolution over into the trail world. So I guess I sort of forgot about the cross country thing and, and about the connection, but, but it is, it was a bit different, I suppose, because the cross country, what, what I didn't like about that was, they were too fast 
So we had done quite a few marathons and sort of transitioned out of, out of Ironman, but continued cycling. I love cycling and then running. And so we were doing marathons every year. And, and I actually fortunately ended up on the SISM team as well. But then one year when we moved to Ottawa, Mike said for his birthday, June 3rd, he said, I'm going to sign you up for a trail running festival. And I'm like, I'm not doing a trail run. I hate trail running. I'm not doing it. And he said, you have to, it's my birthday. Ah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So I said, fine, I'll do this stupid trail running festival. So I went and I was alone and I'm kind of shy. So I like, I, I'm not going to go and like, you know, talk to people right off the bat, especially when it's at a thing I didn't really want to do in the first place. So I saw this girl sitting beside by herself. So I went, I got the courage and I went up and I said, is anyone sitting with you? And she said, no, my friends didn't, they, they're not here. I don't think they're going to make it. Sit down, let's chat. <laughs> so my friend Lori and her friends never did show up. So we did this trail running festival together and you had to go out, like they talked, they, there was a lot of seminars and stuff, but then you had to go out and actually run and it's like raining and crappy and, but it was so much fun. And after that day, I never looked back. Along with the ticket, you got a, an entry to one of the Mountain Equipment Co-op race series races in Gatineau Park. So you could sign up for the, I think it was a five or maybe a 6K and then like a 10K and a 12K and 20K and then a 30K. And so I signed up for the shortest one. I think it was a 5K. And then Mike and I started trail running because I... I loved it. I had to start doing this every weekend. So within two weeks, I changed my registration to the next distance up. And then within another week or so, I moved up to the 20K. And then by the race day, I did 30K. And I just, like ever since then, I just have never looked back. I absolutely love trail running. And since then, I've done a few marathons, but I really prefer to be on the trail. I don't love running on the road. I like being in the trees and the wilderness and I just find it so peaceful and beautiful. And I don't feel the pressure. I feel like when you run a marathon or any race, like a 5k and 10k or even worse, but you, like you, you sort of have to go fast. Like that's kind of the goal, but in a trail run, I don't feel that, you know, you're in the, the wilderness to be with nature and it doesn't matter how fast or slow you go. And, and you can't really go by pace because it, it's totally dependent on the trail and the terrain and the weather and everything. So it's like there's less pressure, pressure really. But that's, I would have never started trail running had Mike not forced me into going into that trail running festival. Okay, so Christine, this is the trail runner in me now. I re represent that camp. Uh, I, I love talking about this because that was exactly my journey as well onto trails as I kind of burned out a little bit from looking at my watch constantly. And not that I don't still run on the road, but feel, I feel most at home in the trails. And I think the natural thing with trail running is you just want to explore more and more and more and go further and further further <laughs> not just not just yes. with your own performance but just in the environment you're in in the terrain you're in so 
I do know that you both have done exactly that. And you haven't even just gone further in one day. You've gotten into these multi-day expedition style ultra races. And I'm really interested to ask you a bit more about this because that's one thing that I personally have never done before. And I'm really intrigued. So what is a multi-day trail race? What are the typical distances uh, per day and then overall? And um, maybe just a little bit about some of the cool places you've been. That's a multi-part question. So I'll just let you run with it. Uh, well, I would say that generally any, any multi-day is race is anything over a day, but because uh, we are going to be doing one race that's a two-day, 125-kilometer race in Scotland. But what we've been doing is five to six day races and typically they're anywhere from 220 to 250 kilometers and you can have a crazy amount of elevation gain and loss and they really change the dynamic of each each race course as well as geographically where they're located changes them uh, quite a bit there's typically a long day somewhere in there it might be the the middle day or the second last day is the longest stage. And how long would the longest stage be? It can be really long, but like around 80 kilometers, I would ballpark it in, in that area. And then the last day is typically, I call it the cleanup. And it can be anywhere from nine to 20K-ish to get you to the final like civilization. You sort of run out of the muck. And the big multi-day races that we've done so far, we have hit them at niche times. Either they are, it's in their first or second year of existence, and they put a lot of care and love into the race. And so you have amazing volunteers and amazing people going to these races, and you connect with them on such a cool level because mm -hmm. there's no magic on getting from the start line. Just getting to the start line is incredibly difficult. Getting to the finish line is even crazy here. Like it just the stuff that you have to endure. And so the people that you finish these races with, they're friends forever. Like they're literally like they, you, they're not, they, all the weirdness uh, or someone, if you're not going to click with someone, it's boiled away because yeah. you've had all this, this time together of struggling and, and yeah. Uh, overcoming. Bonding. Yeah. 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 It's a different mindset. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't understand it because they don't, they don't do it. And so a lot of people just think you're crazy, honestly. And I get it. Like I do get that, but, the, but everyone that's in the race, they are also crazy. Mm -hmm. So you have this thing in common. And so you do, you bond really well with all the people that are in, in the race. But I mean, how Mike and I got started was, well, really because of this, stupid women's trail running festival <laughs> because, you to do. Because, <laughs> because once we once I got into it then I really started looking into it and I you know the 30k wasn't enough so then the following year I did the 50k and the next year after that I did a bunch of different 50ks and it was part of my master plan <laughs> So it you really are a was. planner as well. <laughs> I, I, I needed I needed to manipulate my wife's concept of what trail running was so that I could use her energy and her motivation to go and experience these things because not having us on board as a team makes things disjointed. It was just like yeah. I couldn't go yeah. do Ironman if Christine didn't want to do Ironman. It, right. Or like we it's a lot. If you're 
combining your vacation time and you're combining mm-hmm. your money and these these races aren't cheap travel isn't cheap yeah. and we've been to one all-inclusive and that's for our honeymoon and then we've never done that type of vacation again it, like there's nothing we come back from our vacations exhausted like not from just the way you like party it. <laughs> and margaritas but from right. just endurance yeah. wise yeah. We're, we're we're spent but I think that, that it backfired on you, Mike, because, <laughs> because all of these multi-day races, I refuse to do them alone yeah. because I'm sorry, but I'm not going to go to Madagascar and run through rivers where there's alligators and crocodiles <laughs> without Mike beside me. <laughs> if we're going to get eaten by a crocodile, we're getting eaten by a crocodile we're together. We're doing it together. <laughs> exactly. So we, we've done, and you know, I, I joke, but I am so fortunate that, that we can do these things together. And so aside from just the trail running part of it, we do all of the long, all of the multi-day ones together as a, as a team, not as a team, but we still get our own times, but I mean, it's essentially it's my time because we go my speed, which is slower than Mike would do it, but it's wonderful to be able to have this experience together and so each time we do one we just we get back and I am like on the hunt for the next one that we're going to do well you guys have I think described the secret sauce for a lot of couples I've experienced myself some of the friction you know between the choices of where to spend money and spend vacation time if if both people aren't on the same page and valuing the same things so you know for for a couple that can share a passion like you have combine passions for travel for for running for exploring and do it together this is exactly what having a couple of the quarter on the podcast is all about. It's like, how do you make it work? And you've talked about a lot of the successes and, and the ways that it works well together. But I know every couple has those moments where uh, maybe you're not 100% on the same page and one is pushing and one is pulling. So uh, tell us a few stories. Um, Mike, I, I know you have a story during one ultra marathon to tell us about. And Christine has said that her story is vastly different. So <laughs> l- let's let's look at both sides of this coin. Okay. Uh, the story you're talking about happened in Cambodia. Yeah. And it was a multi-day race. And we were on the long day. And the long day was 60 kilom- 62 kilometers. And like it was probably day three. So we're already stinky. You know, like you, you can't get clean. Yeah. Uh, the only thing they gave you was water, and you had to you had your own uh, your own food for rationing and stuff. And so you're running uh, in the heat of the day, and they would start us like in the morning, but they would start you when the sun was not quite up. But because we were considered the fa- faster group, we had to start later which meant we would uh, have to run through the hottest part of the day uh, without getting as much shade. And so I'm, I'm building this up because basically it made for a really hard long stage because we were going to do all of the running basically in the sun. And so you did the first 30 K through the jungle with limited support and it was a dried up jungle. You're not seeing anyone and it's, it's just a footpath for about 30 kilometers weaving through dense foliage. And they only had a couple water drops and it kept on getting hotter and hotter. 
my Oakley's, I couldn't, you don't, uh, I, I would bring my sunglasses because they were prescription, but I always had to have them on top of my head because they would hold in the heat too much on my face. And, and so they peeled the sun, the Oakley glasses, the tint on them peeled off my head. Oh my goodness. It's just hot. It's just hot. hot. Well, anyways, I was starting to not hydrate well enough and I definitely was not covered properly uh, for that type of environment. And so the sun was really doing its job on me and I started losing it. I I was losing focus. Uh, I could only see a little uh, ring of of light and everything was black. Basically at that point, I was just following Christine because we're just either following each other or looking for the marker. And I was hurting and there was no clouds in the sky at all. And I, I don't know why, but at some point in my world, there was a, a, a glorious little puffed cloud that when, when, <laughs> when it moved over the sun would produce this glorious cooling effect. And I, at that point, I was done. And so this big tree was on the side of the trail, and I wanted to put myself inside it. I literally collapsed into this tree. I don't think I, I had any water left, and I was just shaking. I, and, and everything was shutting down, and I was going to black out. And Christine is with me. And I'm like, I just want to wait for the cloud to go over the sun. We just need to wait for that cloud to get over the sun. And she's like, there's, I don't think she said it nicely either, but uh, <laughs> there, was no, there was no cloud and we are not stopping and you are going to get up. And I was out of it. And I, I have no idea how I got up and kept moving, but we made it to the next aid station and uh, lots of cooling water. Uh, some coke um, started to bring the my head back out. Yeah, yeah. I'd clear the lens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Christine saved me for sure that day. Yeah. And what do you remember about that day, Christine? Yeah. Well, you've heard of man cold, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like he was literally <laughs> close to death, yeah, but yeah. maybe yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. He was fine. Yeah. Like there are no clouds. There is not going to be any clouds today. We have to keep going. There was no point in sitting there waiting because it was only getting mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. And and I knew he was fine. <laughs> and so clearly he was word. fine. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see Mike's face right May- now. <laughs> <laughs> no, in your head you were not fine. You were fine. Okay. Because, and how we know you were fine is you're sitting right here today. Oh, see? Yeah, <laughs> and, I didn't die. So I just kept going. And I was yelling at him like, come on, you have to come. And so finally he got up and he was hanging on to me and not really hanging on. But then one step forward and we just made it. But like on that day, for the last at least 10K, we would walk 750 meters and run 250 meters. But like we had to have something that we could sort of follow. So, so we're like, okay, we have 50 meters left and then we have to run for 250 meters. And that 250 meters felt like miles and miles, (laughs) but then we got another walk break, but I don't know if I could have done it without Mike. I mean, he had a rough spell there, but I had tons of rough spells throughout the whole race. And I think that honestly, that that is probably the only time that 
that we were sort of like <laughs> at each other and he was too like too tired to be yelling at me but I was definitely yelling at him but look at the stories you have to tell now about it mm-hmm. yeah yeah but you know really like we when we do these races we really really are a team and yeah. we we do it together that is so cool. I mean, when I read it and I and I see that the two of you are doing this together, what I wasn't 100% sure of, and maybe you can clarify, is are you doing it as a team because that's how the event is? Like you have to be in pairs or are you doing it as a no. team because you, you're choosing to do it as a team? And it sounds like you're choosing to do it as a team, which I think is like absolutely the coolest thing ever. It's true. Like, I am so fortunate that Mike will do this with me because, you know, we get the same time, but essentially it's the pace that I go. He's getting my time as well, where he could be probably winning these races. He runs with Mm -hmm. me. So I just feel so lucky that that I have someone like Mike that'll go at a much slower pace so that we can do it together. Well, like the last race that we did in uh, uh, Romania, it was very, very uh, hard in how much elevation gain and loss. The hills were just ridiculously steep. And you had to carry all your own food, completely self-supported. So you had to carry everything from day one that you would need for the entire race. They just gave you water. And so you had to have, uh, I think, 14,000 calories on your back, plus your sleeping bag, plus all your clothes, all the emergency kit, all of that. We each had it. We looked exactly the same in terms of skin and damage, bruising, and because our shoulders just got raw with carrying the weight and we're trying to run with it. But we do the race together, but because of how difficult the race was, I would argue uh, that uh, Christine is very modest in her ability. She's either winning or in the top three of these races against the guys. Mm-hmm. So she may be saying that I'm this jackrabbit, but the, the reality is, is that if I went Mike pace, as she said, I, I don't know if I get to the finish uh, with a smile on my face quite uh, the way it's been. So sharing the experience through the days uh, up and down the mountains and everything, it's really cool to do it with Christine mm-hmm. because when you are c- coming up uh, to the top of some crazy climb and it just took every bit of you to do it and you look over and there's your soulmate and you're you just gopro selfie boom and now yeah. it's, it's not like when i get back i'm going to tell christine about this amazing right thing. right, right. Like, i never have to do that ever she was there the whole mm. way she saw it too like That's bears bears running through the woods or snakes or crocs crocodiles or, Landmines, <laughs> yeah, landmines, yes, yeah. landmines. Oh yes. yeah. landmines. That yeah. sounds like a story. Yeah, in Cambodia, we were well. We just we were sort of warned: stay on the trail, uh-huh. stay like make sure you because Cambodia, yeah. Yeah, you know right, they right. yeah. So we never luckily came across any. Oh, wow. Like you were talking a bit about how Christine finishes with the top men, and. Yes. Yeah, this is a thing that we see in ultra running, you know, is that it's not just about the physical and about the pace. It's it's the huge mental game. And it's largely sometimes a race of attrition, you know, who's willing to keep going and who's not. Yeah. And true. women can compete with the best of them because we can be just as stubborn, if not more, right? And yes. um 
yeah, so good for you, Christine. I think you guys, it sounds like you make an excellent team. You, you, you balance each other out. Uh, you know, um, when to push and, and when to support and when to celebrate some of those summit picks together. So yeah, we're lucky in the sense that, I mean, okay, that might not be the right word. We don't have children and right now we don't have a dog. We don't have a pet. So we, we can run whenever works in our own individual schedules. And because we're both runners, like I understand when Mike needs to go out and do his run and vice versa. So we don't have those same extra pressures that a family would have, which, so we're really, we're fortunate that way, especially where we do run the long distances because they, they do take, like our weekends are consumed by exercise. Our, every weekend it's okay, well, what are we doing Saturday? What are we doing yeah. Sunday? And it's our weekends are planned around our exercise. Mm -hmm. So we plan our exercise first and then whatever else. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And food, of course, food, food is like, yeah, I, I don't know. I would argue which is more important, running or food. I love food. <laughs> but I mean, we do have conflicts as well about it because, because I am very much into trail running and if I can avoid road running I will because I it just hurts I find it just hurts my body to do long distance road now it just hurts and so I always want to do trail running whereas Mike you know right now he's training for this marathon so it's it's sort of competing priorities schedules yeah, right yeah. now priorities exactly yeah. so that makes it a little challenging yeah but Mike is very flexible and very adaptable where I'm not as flexible. Like I can only run in the morning. I, if I don't do my run in the morning, it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's, that is like my number one priority. Whereas Mike can run in the morning, in the afternoon or in the evening. Yeah. It doesn't matter to him. But again, you balance each other out. Yeah, it sounds like the two of you have yeah. made it work. And also that you really know yourselves too. Like this is who we are and this is what we love to do. And so let's find a way to just do it as much as we can. Like from afar, this is like a dream life <laughs> to a lot of people that probably yeah. may be in your situation and could do it. They just haven't actually taken the steps to do it the way that the two of you have. So it's very inspiring and it's very incredible. And you've gone all over the world doing these. You've mentioned Romania, you've mentioned Cambodia, you've also gone to Spain, South Africa. And Mike, I understand there's a little bit of a funny story from Madagascar. Uh, did you want to tell the story about the crocodiles in Madagascar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this this was a. I, I highly recommend this this race that we did in Madagascar. Uh, it was very very beautiful, and there was wasn't a lot of people. It, like it was a smaller race, and it was again uh, not uh, self supported. They cooked the, the food, but we just had to basically survive. You didn't want to bring in any extra, and so we were running for I think the third day. And depending on the time of day, the snakes would come out and sun themselves on the trail. And so we got to the point where we would, I would run with a stick as I'm looking for the marker, the trail markers, and I would be flicking these big oh snakes oh off the trail as, as we no. go. And so this one stretch was like pretty long and I was flicking these snakes and it was slowing us down. And so this, this other competitor started ca catching up to us. 
And when she caught, caught up to us, we were at this like river crossing and we had already done so many river crossings, different depths, different widths. We were just like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're in, we're in the race, just like they, they show on the videos. And so we're going through with our gear and not thinking anything of it other than get across and, and, and keep going. She shows up and she lives in Madagascar. And so she is throwing these rocks, like big fist-sized rocks into the water. And we're like, what are you doing? And she said, well, like, I think this was a dumb question that I was asking her <laughs> and that it was to make the crocs come up off the bottom of the river so that they would get out of the way. And then you could, then it was safe to cross. And so what, they were like, what do you mean? We get throw rocks in and, and the crocs will come up. And they're like, yeah, yeah they, they sit on the bottom and they wait for oh splashing and, or whatever. And so then they, they come up. And so we stayed with her the rest of yeah. the day. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, yeah. why wasn't this in the race briefing? Exactly. <laughs> I know. In North yeah. America, liability-wise, they would have listed that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. That's the thing. The, in these races, if you read the the joining instructions and and what you're paying for, you there's usually something in there like corpse preparation fee, and it literally no. is to send you how how to send you if you die in this country, where where are we sending it? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. When we were in South Africa, we did a three-day race in South Africa, <laughs> and it was the same thing. Like, we were warned that, you know, chances are it wouldn't happen, but there potentially could be crocodiles in the streams. And I'm like, what do you mean chances are? <laughs> like, put a I want a yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so the this one in particular, they had, and it was it was actually quite a strong river, they had people like uh, volunteers in the river and there was this rope going across sort of to help you cross as you got through and they were sort of there to help like protect you as well in case oh anything I'm like well they're they're going to eat you just as much as they're going to eat us right. just because you're from South Africa they're not going to leave you alone right right exactly <laughs> all the you know these countries have all these to them crocodiles are just not as big of a deal. They're more um, sensitized to the whole idea than we are, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I know Christine, especially, um, I'm not sure about you, Mike, but I'm assuming the same. Um, you're both like very into what you put in your bodies. You're into eating healthy and all of that. <laughs> and so I, I'm wondering like the interplay of what happens on one of these long, like 250 kilometers oh. within five days. Like you've just got to get the calories down the hatch. Like you just have to eat some sugar. I would assume, like, how does that talk to us about your, your thought process, especially on the self-supported ones where you're putting the 14,000 calories on your, on your back and, and mm -hmm. carrying them around with you? What, what are question. you choosing to eat? Yeah, that's a, it, that's a tough one. So the, the race that we just did, Romania, that was our first self-supported where we had to bring all our own food. And so for me, it, it was, it's, it is a challenge, actually, because I am very conscious about what goes in my body. So for a typical day for me would be for breakfast, I would have a shake and that would be a high quality protein powder with electrolyte powder like Ultima and then a handful of oats and then just shake it all up and then plus an instant Starbucks coffee or whatever. And then during the race, I would have things like 
nuts and seeds and lara bars and other good quality protein bars and some dried fruits if I need it. Uh, and then immediately when I'm done, I would have a dehydrated meal. And that would always be some sort of eggs and protein. So eggs and sausage or eggs and chicken or eggs and cheese, something like that. And then usually it ends up being around two, we get into the camp. So then in the evening, like at six or 6.30, we would have a second dehydrated meal of chicken and broccoli or chicken and stir fry or beef and stir fry or something along those lines. And then lots of water and lots of electrolyte drink for rehydration. Just note that these are these events are totally different than doing a 5K or a 10K where you're expending a tremendous amount of energy really quick and you need quick bursts of carbs to, to get the energy to do the race. But we try really hard not to go into the red zone. And it's long, sustained periods of exercise where you're maintaining the same energy or you're trying to maintain the same energy level Mm -hmm. uh, output. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you can get away in these longer events. You can get away with more of the real food. And the, and the whole absolutely food. amazing. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could absolutely talk to you to all day. And there's still so many questions I want to ask you, but we're going to kind of get into our rapid fire questions right now. And just for the listeners, we, we often give these to guests in advance. And we did not give you these in advance um, because we've created some special couple of the quarter rapid fire questions. So are you two ready for this? This is a big surprise. Not to put you on the spot. We're ready. Okay. (laughs) So we've got Valentine's Day coming up just right around the corner. Mike, what would your perfect date be? (laughs) Uh, Perfect date. What season? It's winter, your favorite season. Uh, Okay. A a perfect date. A perfect date with Christine would be an amazing cross-country ski outing for a few hours, followed by a spa package and then fine dinner out I guess would be the 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 most amazing date night I think I think that sums the two of you up perfectly from what we know about you so far so Christine we'll go to summer now it's summer uh what would your perfect date be okay so my perfect date would be let's say we live in Ottawa Mm -hmm. so to go to Gatineau Park for like a two three four hour long trail run but we would do it together come home and have a nice meal or whatever. And we usually have a nap after a long, a long run like that. And then go out for a really nice dinner to a really nice restaurant somewhere and have some nice wine. I like it. All right. So the Winter Olympics will be underway when this podcast airs. So we're going to ask Christine, what sport do you think Mike would excel at in the Winter Olympics? Biathlon, hands down. He would be amazing. Uh-huh. That's so cool. Okay. Um, awesome. and, and Mike, like now I have a follow-on question, like biathlon, like <laughs> I, I know you're into cross-country skiing, but have you had experience with the shooting as well? Uh, I've Just done, the military, I've done the biathlon shooting, but yes, yeah. I love biathlon. I love watching biathlon. So she knows I'm very passionate about the sport and where we are right now. It's actually on TV, like every day on your sport. I'm in my, 
Yeah. But you'd be good at it too, Mike, not just because you watch it. You'd be yeah. good at it. Well, the, I, from my understanding, the, the trick with that is like you've gotten your heart rate all up and your sympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system, and then you have to bring it all right back down and sort of ramp up that parasympathetic nervous system to kind of steady you to take the the good shot, right? So yeah, yeah very, very, very <laughs> cool. Um, Mike, what okay. sport would Christine not be good at <laughs> in the Winter Olympics? Because her bio, it was like, I love snowshoeing and cycling and cross, like she loves it all, right? So my question's <laughs> a little bit uh, different in, in terms of what would she not be good at? Ski jumping. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I wouldn't be good at that. <laughs> okay. You two have traveled, you know, we've already covered this uh, over to or over 40 countries. Uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. We were just in Finland for two weeks and we love winter. They know how to do winter. Their infrastructure for cross-country skiing, training in the summer is actually pretty impressive. Like they're, even small towns have huge tracks of, of uh, for training and, and, uh, and the food is super good. So I don't know, that was, that, that I could definitely live there. That, that mm-hmm. was one place I could live. And what about you, Christine? Well, the first thing that jumped into my mind uh, in all honesty was Ottawa. Mm-hmm. I love Ottawa, but if I had to pick a country outside of Canada, yeah, Finland would be yeah, right up yeah. there. Or Australia. I did love Australia. And do you, will you two be going back to Ottawa when your term in Latvia is up? Is that where you head back to? We hope so. We'll end up there. We'll definitely end up in, in Ottawa. Okay. Mike, you mentioned in your bio that your favorite sport or your favorite season is winter. And I was wondering if you would like to trade where you live with me. <laughs> you could come to Winnipeg <laughs> and I'll go to Latvia. <laughs> you can always come and visit. Uh, okay. I may take you up on that. <laughs> so Christine, you mentioned you love exploring different cafes around the world. Which one is your favorite and why? Oh my gosh, that is very hard. <laughs> but I have to tell you, Mike and I talked about this a little while ago that, well, it was a bit of a morbid conversation, but we were talking about if, if I was going to die or something like that. And I said, you have to go to Slovenia to, I forget the name of the town, but there's this little town in Slovenia and they had the best cafe and the best cookies. I'm a cookie connoisseur Mm -hmm. and they had the most amazing cookies. So I would have to say that, or there's a a cafe, I forget the name of it, in Gatineau Park or in Chelsea, sorry. And there, it's an amazing little cafe. I love that cafe too. Okay. This one's for you, Mike. If Christine had to eat the same meal for the rest of her life, what would it be? Salad. Salad? What? (laughs) True. (laughs) No, it's it's just, I, uh, uh, she was joking, but I would, I would say, can we have like no salad Wednesday? Because she, like, literally, it's salad and something, and but it's, it's always salad. Okay, Christine, if Mike had to had to eat the same meal for the rest of his life, what would it be? Definitely a burger. That's what I'm craving. So our final rapid fire question here is: We want you to describe the other in one word. One. 
Christine, describe Mike in one word. Best friend. Is that count as one word? No, that's sure. that's perfectly appropriate. I love sure, it. Sure, absolutely. And Mike? Powerful. Mm. Oh my goodness. You two are just the best. It has been a blast getting to know you a little bit more. Like we said, I felt like I knew you a little bit just because of our, you know, mutual friends, but I've loved everything that I've learned about the two of you so far, your enthusiasm and your passion for combining travel and adventure and running and just being so supportive of one another. I can't think of a better couple to have brought on to, to talk about all of this. So thank you for taking the time to be here with us tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's been wonderful chatting with you. 